Launching in 2015 by the Writing and Literacies communication team, Writing and Literacies Oral Histories is a podcast series providing an added medium to highlight the origins and founding of the SIG, consider new directions for scholarship and research, and hear established and emerging members of the Writing and Literacies organization. Throughout the year, we'll release several podcasts in hopes of building anticipation and momentum leading up to the annual conference and preserving the SIG's history. Special thanks to Dr. Vaughn Watson, Assistant Professor of Teacher Education at Michigan State University, whose piece you heard opening our first post. Today on Writing and Literacy's Oral Histories, we're joined by Dr. George Newell, Professor of Adolescent, Post-Secondary, and Community Literacies in the Department of Teaching and Learning at The Ohio State University. I'm Dr. Robert LeBlanc, Assistant Professor of Education at Cal Poly Pomona and historian for the Writing and Literacy SIG. Titled Early Days, The Emergence of Writing as a Distinct Focus, this podcast surveys the origins of the Writing and Literacy Special Interest Group from the perspective of one of its earliest members. We've been doing interviews with some of the sort of early luminaries of the Writing and Literacy SIG, and some interviews with folks like uh, Sarah Friedman, Glinda Hall, Peter Smagrinsky, um, and so we're really grateful to have you on uh, on with us uh, today. Um, knowing that you were there really at the founding of the SIG, um, I'd love to hear a bit about the sort of origin story of the Writing and Literacy SIG as you saw it. Yeah, okay, Robert. By the way, I did get a chance yesterday to uh, listen to the um Recording recorded broadcast of, of Dr. Friedman, and Dr. Hall. Um, so yeah, and so I, and it, which I found really interesting. So I, I, I think that uh, from 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 uh, it was really valuable for me to listen to their uh, you know to their narrative about thing, how things unfolded. Um, you know I, I you know my thought was uh, you know that the um, in my memory of that time is the um, how preoccupied I was with trying to begin my career as an English education professor uh, at, at University of Kentucky, you know, uh, thinking about tenure and, uh, and you, know, when, when, you know, how I was going to get published and how I was going to get started with my, you know, continuation of my research program. So when I would go to AERA and go to the SIG meetings, um, it was really primarily, I think, you know, for those purposes. That is, I, I, I realized that uh, right away, that uh, what was very important uh, toward being successful in the field is actually uh, your academic reputation uh, and how people regarded your work. Uh, and so I was very conscious of, 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 of making presentations and getting a chance to talk about people, you know, actually meeting people so they could you know, figure out who I am. So if I ever, at, ever had, had to ask them for some assistance along the way, you know, I could, I, you know, I, I would rely on them. And of course, the um, uh, the writing the writing sake, as we called it uh, during that time, uh, was a really great place for me. You know, all kinds of people like um, Linda Flower and Steve Witte and Dick Hayes and so on and so forth. Uh, so that. Um, so I, w- I wasn't really instrumental in terms of developing the SIG, uh, other than becoming a member and participating in it. B- back in, let's say, in 1978, I think it was, uh, when I first uh, attended AERA, uh, writing did not have much of identification. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I can't remember exactly when the SIG was, uh, uh, was, uh, was born, but um, I remember feeling like um, the writing stuff, writing research stuff back in 1978 was rather... Uh, you know, you know, sort of distributed throughout the conference, it was able. It was very difficult to sort of uh, find the community. 
Uh, so I was very grateful as an early career professor to, to have that, uh, the SIG there for, you know, to, to help me identify, you know, you know, where, you know, where I might belong. Do you see the development of the writing SIG as a, as a specific um, area for writing scholarship, et cetera, as developing out of a, a kind of movement in that era where there was more renewed attention to writing um, of, of that kind of generation of scholars? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, one of the things that happened uh, in terms of my own, uh, my own experiences with writing research is that um, I got interested in it as a teacher. And I remember, I think it was, um, it might have been, or it might have been it might, maybe 1975 or so, there was an article, cover article in, I, I don't know if it was News, Newsweek or Time, about why Johnny can't write. And I, I remember that, that would kind of, a, that was a watershed moment for me, maybe for a lot of people, when writing was beginning to get that kind of attention, uh, you know, that kind of national attention. Um, and I, uh, and so I, then I, I struggled with the teaching of writing, the devel- developing process approaches and so on, but it was all, my first experience, it was through pedagogy uh, and learning how to teach it in my, in my own ninth grade classroom. But I soon, but I soon realized that, um, uh, I think it was through a seminar I took at the University of Pittsburgh that we, that, that we were going to have to have uh, some uh, uh, something much more organized uh, in the field of writing. Actually, to move it forward, I think this is where the you know the writing sig in, in the research field became so important uh, to sort of identify it as, as a significant part of not just pedagogy but but intellectual pursuits and um, empirical studies at the university uh, level. And and where did you see the the field sort of at at that stage when you when you entered the SIG? I mean, what what was sort of hot yeah. or present, or what were the things that people were most concerned about at the time? Well, at that time, uh, so this must have been. Let me try, see if I can get my years right. right. It must have been. It must have been in the mid '80s, as I recall. And you know, at that time, you know, process-oriented approaches to to both teaching and research were really very important. Uh, because we were beginning to just, I mean, we're still beginning to sort of define exactly what, you know, what was entailed in the act of writing. But we had had, by the time, you know, we got into the mid-1980s, and this became very apparent to me. Uh, I had done a process study for my dissertation, and uh, I was pulling students out of their classrooms and so on and so forth to actually do process studies. So, so, I, so I think that there was a shift for me from from studying the processes of uh, you know what was going on with, with individuals individual composers or writers uh, composing to actually thinking more about you know how process and how composing occurs um, is taught and learned within particular contexts that was a big shift for me in, in by, by the uh, time I got to Ohio State in 1989 uh, that became a you know, a big concern of mine you know, I, I've never been a um, an officer in this uh, in the SIG. Uh, but I was a pretty loyal member, you know, uh, and I have been for, you know, for, for decades now uh, in one way or, or another. Um, I do remember the, um, the significance of not only the business being sort of paying attention to how we were, how we were doing financially and to what extent we were getting a, a getting position within the, uh, the annual meeting of, of, uh, of AERA. You know, it was always important for the SIG uh, as a kind of a new, relatively new SIG in those days, I guess, to, to have enough slots, you know, so we can actually have a, um, a viable, um, you know, presence at, at, at the annual meeting. But also another really 
important part of the the, the SIGs for me was the is the social dimension of it. The, you know, the post business meeting social gatherings were really important to me uh, in terms of me having a chance to talk to people like Steve Witte and Linda Flower and Dick Hayes and I think I'm Martin Nystrand. Uh, you know, during that time uh, during those meetings, so I found myself sort of positioned as as more of a member than than a leader of the SIG. Remember, I was still pretty at that point when the SIG was just beginning, kind of. Uh, uh, construct its own identity within AERA. I was still relatively early in my career, and I was never quite sure how you know how much I, I needed to be participating in, in those particular efforts. Um, but I certainly benefited from the um, from the leadership of, of people who were taking that seriously. And as somebody who's who's been in the SIG for a number of years now, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the the evolution of the SIG, particularly in terms of both. Um, topically, where the field of writing and and um, scholarship in that area has gone, but particularly around the the, the evolution of the SIG itself, the, you know, the addition of and literacies, um, I think is a way right. of broadening out the scope of the SIG itself. I'd I'd love to hear a kind of trajectory of where you think the SIG has gone in the last thirty years or so. Yeah, that's a really good question, and I, you know, I um, I remember having a conversation. Of, and this must have maybe it's probably sometime in, in the early nineteen nineties with a colleague of mine, Russell Durst from the University of Cincinnati, and we were talking about, uh, you know, like, what counts at that time, we're talking about what counts as writing research. We began to realize that, um, you know, I remember this conversation, probably at a conference, and we agreed that uh, the big shift was sort of studying writing as writing. That was probably, you know, was representative of how we were studying a process using think alouds and so on and so forth, to writing, writing research becoming something that had to be uh, within context. So writing became part of a social, cultural context by the time we shifted to the 1990s. And I think about that time, by the time we get into maybe the late 90s, uh, 1990s, that's when the shift began to be, uh, you know, writing began to be associated with not just sort of um, psycholinguistics or cognitive processing, you know, cognitive psychology and so on, but also associated with anthropological and ethnographic studies. And I think that that time, given the, the, this sort of the growing interest in qualitative and ethnographic work, that's when the, um, the SIG shifted into uh, a connection with a, a broader connection with, with literacies. But I also think that uh, it was not just a shift towards ethnography or, or away from psychology or anything like that. I don't mean to say that, but it was a, it was a broadening of the of an understanding of the disciplines that could actually inform, you know, writing beyond beyond just, uh, uh, you know, uh, text uh, or cognition, but also think, maybe th- thinking, um, you know, about things like um, social psychology and linguistics, uh, social linguistics, ethnographic studies, et cetera, et cetera. All those, all those disciplines begin to enrich the field, I think, uh, enormously. And by, by 2000, I think we realized we needed to associate ourselves with something larger in writing, and I think that's why literacies began to become you know, part of the, uh, the title. Um, let me just talk about this, this notion of theoretical uh, concerns or issues. Um, mm-hmm. um, the, w- the way I'm beginning to see theory is a little bit different maybe from uh, uh, a... a um, um, notion of theory is sort of broadly predictive way or, you know, or, or, or powerful way to kind of frame uh, things that to frame how we do writing. I'm more inclined to sort of to develop um, and think seriously about um, what Geertz calls mid-level theory 
where, where the theoretical work and, and the empirical work be, uh, come together, and the theory, in a sense, hovers just, just above the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the empirical, you know, the practical work of, of teachers and, and learners and so on and so forth. So that we use theory to kind of guide our thinking, but we actually reconstruct and reconceive, in some ways recontextualize theory to, uh, to actually enable us to do, uh, you know, work, um, you know, uh, in, in particular contexts. And I think that's a much more productive way to sort of think about, you know, uh, about theoretical uh, frameworks and so on. And it also makes the, uh, particularly, for example, not only professors, but doctoral students, I think, uh, who are entering the field, this causes uh, how to use theory, what theory is, and what theory should be paid attention to, I think, is a great challenge. I'd love to hear about your uh, your current work, um, and maybe to tell me a little bit about how it fits, you think, in the sort of broader scope of writing research today. The work I'm doing with uh, Dave Bloom, Alan Hervla, and Sujong Lin in, in the argument of the writing project at Ohio State in some ways new and in some ways comes out of an uh, earlier tradition. Uh, the, the earlier tradition is actually working very closely with English, English arts uh, you know, classrooms, trying to figure out how to um, make, make writing, uh, school writing more interesting for teachers and for, and for students. But the new take on this, uh, for the way we're approaching argumentation, is that we've moved away from the idea that, you know, argument of writing is learning uh, preset structures or structures that need to be filled out by, for example, elements of the Toulmin model. And thinking about argumentation and argument of writing uh, as a literacy practice, as a way of knowing and thinking, uh, you know, a, a way of sort of uh, heuristically exploring the world, you know, and ideas. So we've got something old and something new in, in this project that I, in, in, in finding, in kind of Seeing the relate, thinking about the relationship between those two has uh, is, is, you know, been really quite invigorating and exciting. Um, we're in classrooms with teachers a lot, and I think given the, the variety of rooms, the classrooms we've been in, we've, we've actually <laughs> constructed a rather complex notion of what we think you know, teaching and learning of argument is. And given your, your interests, particularly in sort of arguments, I'm thinking back to ARA's uh, centennial theme, which is about education, sort of engaging democracy as a, as a sort of public service. Um, where do you see argumentative writing as, as a component to um, democratic education or civics or, or as a way of sort of strengthening um, the larger polity? Yeah, that's a really important question. The thing that's fundamentally powerful uh, for you know about argumentation or even writing is the fact that you know the the way argumentation works works best is when people listen to uh, alternative views, and I, I don't mean just to you know listen to the alternative views so they can be attacked and destroyed, but actually to begin to sort of think about you know the ideas more dialogically. So that when we're challenged in a democracy about the things that we believe in, rather than sort of pushing back and, and you know, running to our own corner, we learn to engage with people who have different points of view to actually you know, think more deeply about you know, some of our own assumptions. And this seems to be something that is really missing from a lot of public discourse. You know, there's so much division in the country, and I think that thinking about argumentation as a way for people to understand one another's warrants and assumptions and beliefs you know, makes the teaching of argumentation, you know, much more important than maybe it was decades ago. So I, I really think that argumentation can, can contribute a lot to um, public discourse and democracy. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time, George. I, uh, we appreciate your insight, and uh, we look forward to, uh, to hearing more from you in the near future. So thank you so much. All right. Take care. Great. Thanks for doing this and including me. This has been an oral history podcast of the Writing and Literacy Special Interest Group of the AERA. 
Look forward to an upcoming episode in the near future with Dr. Christina Haas, professor in the Department of Writing at the University of Minnesota and editor-in-chief of Written Communication. Till then, I'm Dr. Robert LeBlanc. Thank you for listening.